This is Philip Bramblett, pastor at Furnace Creek Baptist Church, and uh, this is the podcast Grit, What You Need to Revitalize Your Church. You need grit. You need a lot of grit. And uh, But that's actually an acronym as well that I came up with. It stands for God, Repentance, Instruction, and Time. Those are four things that you need. Of course, you need a lot of things, but uh, that's been helpful to me. And in these podcasts, I want to go through these four aspects of God, repentance, instruction, and time, talk about them in more detail and how they apply to church revitalization, and re- really emphasize that uh, one of the, the main things is that you just you need to endure. You need to last and stay long enough. Well, this uh, episode, I wanted to uh, talk about my own experience uh, in, in church, of church revitalization. Uh, every church revitalizer or everyone who writes about it or speaks about it has their own experience, their own story. And of course, I'm no exception. There's a few books uh, I'd recommend. You, you can read about uh, Andrew Davis's experience and his wisdom in his book, uh, Revitalize. I recommend that one. It's called Revitalize. Uh, by Andrew Davis. Uh, Another one is uh, Brian Croft wrote a book called Biblical Church Revitalization. That's Brian Croft, Biblical Church Revitalization. You can read about his experience in his church and uh, what he has to share about revitalization. Another good one I recommend is Mark Clifton, uh, his book Reclaiming Glory. Reclaiming Glory by Mark Clifton. These three men um, have written excellent books about church revitalization, and I recommend them. Uh, So my own story, which I wanted to share in this episode, is about uh, my efforts at Furnace Creek Baptist Church here in Rocky Mountain, Virginia. I was called uh, to this church in late 2015. We moved here in uh, November of 2015. I was 38 years old. When I started, and although I had many years of very varied ministry experience, I mean, I'd, I'd basically done everything except women's ministry. <laughs> Other than that, I'd pretty much done everything at some at, at some point in my life. Uh, but this was my first full time senior pastorate. So this was the first time that you know I'm I'm the guy, and and I'm the only pastor in this church. Uh, there's no associate pastors or anything like. It's just me. I'm the pastor, and this is the first time uh, that I've done this as the the senior pastor and and the sole pastor. So, you know, the buck stops here, so to speak. I remember when they when they called me, uh, I was informed that you know, yes, they were calling me as pastor, and and the first thought I had is, what have I done? <laughs> what have I done? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, uh, but uh, it can be daunting. Uh, when you become a pastor, and and I suppose anytime you come to a new church, but uh, yeah, I became the pastor here, and my wife and three sons uh, joined me in this exciting new endeavor. When I came to Furnace Creek, uh, this Southern Baptist church was averaging around seventy people on a Sunday morning. That's a that's a normal sized church, but most of them were over the age of sixty many in their 70s and 80s, so a very elderly congregation. Pretty typical for a, a church revitalization situation uh, as far as the, the age of the, the congregation. 
Now, the church did have a nice, uh, spacious building with good facilities, um, not not particularly run down, even though they're a little dated. They were built in the 1950s and 1970s, so a bit dated, but they, they kept them up pretty well. So not a lot of huge facilities issues, for which I'm thankful. The auditorium can comfortably seat 200, although I've heard you can pack about 300 in there, but I think that would be really tight. So you could comfortably seat 200, and uh, at one time it had been full. You know, one time they'd been averaging a little over 200. That was kind of the heyday, you know, the, the good old days, the, the golden years uh, of the church, which was, uh, it was founded in uh, 1953 is when the church was, was uh, established. Now, Furnace Creek had a long history of conflict and chewing up pastors. <laughs> The, the first pastor, the founding pastor, was here over 20 years. But since then, since the 1970s, the average pastor at Furnace Creek was five years, which is pretty much what the national average is. Uh, but that's fairly short. Uh, you know, none of them stayed real long. And there, uh, it had a reputation of being a, a country club kind of church. There had been several mass exodus events over the years, times when uh, there were, you know, there were big blow-ups. Uh, sometimes, you know, a pastor would, would uh, do something foolish or would, would blow up and, and uh, the church would, would split, a bunch of people would leave. That happened a, a couple times at least over the years. And, and the previous, the pastor before me had left uh, under acrimonious circumstances in 2013. A bunch of people had left uh, with him. Uh, the church had been declining before that, uh, but when he left, a, a bunch of people left. And those who remained were mostly longtime members who were very strongly committed to the church as, as an institution and to the memories that they had. You know, like they grew up in this church. So no matter what, they're not leaving this church. It's just this is their church and, and all of their life memories are connected to uh, these facilities. So things started out okay, um, as they often do you know, when you become a pastor in a new church. Hopefully you enjoy a, a honeymoon period, and I did. I, I enjoyed the typical honeymoon period. lasted probably you know, a couple years, which is pretty, pretty good. But it was clear to me uh, fairly early that most of the members did not have a biblical understanding of what the church actually is. Uh, you know, they, they had that kind of country club mentality and what the mission of the church is. They, they didn't really have a, a good grasp of what it is exactly we're supposed to be doing as the church. Why do we exist? And most of the members um, didn't really understand how the church should be led. They, you know, again, that, that club mentality and we're members of the club. And so we determine what happens. We tell the pastor uh, what we want. And so most had a chaplaincy attitude towards the pastorate. Uh, the, we pay you to do the work of ministry the way we tell you to do it kind of attitude. And so personal preferences were very freely shared. <laughs> That's one of the characteristics of a, a dying church is it's driven by personal preferences. And they, were, they felt free to share all their personal preferences. And, uh, and they expected to be catered to, you know, how, how I, how I dress as a pastor, right? They'd share that with me, how I ought to dress, uh, where I should sit 
<laughs> I, I made the mistake of sitting in the second row my first Sunday, and I was told oh, I should be sitting on the stage, or at least in the first row. You know, the second row, that's just unacceptable. Just all these, these silly preferences that have nothing to do with the gospel and, and the mission of the church. And of course, it was usually, you know, some people who were saying these things. It wasn't the person talking to me, but some people are saying. I can never find these people. So the church was run uh, through kind of ambiguous relationships between pastor, deacons, numerous committees. I think we've got like 17 committees <laughs> and congregational majority vote business meetings, which were monthly when I started. Every month they had a business meeting. Now, deacons didn't actually do a lot. So it was mostly pastoral leadership modified by committee activity. And woe betide the pastor who monkeys with the committees. Uh, you know, they have their authority and you shouldn't touch it. And also, uh, whatever anyone might propose at a business meeting. You know, any member could stand up at a business meeting and, and say anything, you know, propose anything, and you have to discuss it on the spot and vote on it. And as some of you know, it's a governance structure that's a recipe for conflict. So after a couple of years, as the masks began to come off, uh, it was evident that the church was very unhealthy and may have always been unhealthy, even in its heyday, even, even in the golden years that were remembered with great nostalgia. It had been built mostly on special events and performances, and its reputation as a country club was probably legitimate. Uh, there, there was little concern to take the gospel to the community, although members would have disputed that, but actions speak louder than words. You know, when a person's words don't match their actions, the Bible tells us we should tells us we should believe their actions rather than their words. And based on their actions, there was little concern to take the gospel to the community. There was little interest in real prayer. You know, the, the prayer meeting was the typical, what I call the list of ailments prayer meeting, which no one wants to go to. <laughs> I don't want to go to the list of ailments prayer meeting. So they, 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 they weren't really praying fervently for gospel-centered, mission-focused things. And there was positive antipathy against any changes to the way we've always done it. These are all typical things in, in dying churches. Now, there were some really wonderful, godly, kind uh, folks in the church, of course. Uh, but they had been dominated by spiritual bullies who got their way through bad-mouthing others and giving the cold shoulder. Uh, these folks would make the worst assumptions about people and then propagate those falsehoods as if they were facts. And nothing you said could convince them they were wrong. You know, they knew. They, I know what I know. <laughs> but if you got on their bad side, they'd make sure that you were sidelined at the very least and that you understood that you were not approved of. And so the decent people in the church over the decades had become accustomed to letting these bullies get their way out of self-protection. It just wasn't worth cross, crossing them. And so for about five years, it felt like I was just bashing my head against a brick wall. You know, there were some tender hearts of flesh that responded well to biblical teaching and Christ-centered ministry, but there were many hearts of stone that did not respond warmly to the gospel. You know, I, would, I would preach of Christ and the gospel and the cross and the resurrection, and it was as if, as if it meant nothing to them. Their hearts were not warm to the gospel, which is a really dangerous sign. Uh, if your heart is not warmed by the gospel, you probably don't have the Holy Spirit. You, you are probably not regenerate. I began to wonder if I was doing the right things. 
even though I knew biblically that I was, but my wife and I started asking each other, are we crazy? Like, is this normal? This is not normal, right? But God gave little encouragements at just the right times, and, and we pressed on doing what we knew would please the Lord. And my wife, my wife and children did sometimes suffer from the nastiness of some of the folks in the church. But the Lord gave them the strength and wisdom to persevere uh, with a focus on the gospel and, and the glory of God. Now, the opposition uh, reached a, a head or culminated in an attempt that was led by two of the uh, most well-respected deacons to have me dismiss, dismissed as pastor right at the five-year mark, like right on cue at five years, they tried to, to dismiss me as the pastor. And it was right in the middle of the coronavirus scare, July of 2020, if you remember what that was like. Uh, some of them have been trying to get me to blow up and, and just lose it for several years, uh, like some of their previous exasperated pastors had, had done. Uh, but God knew what he was doing when he sent me to Furnace Creek. I have pretty thick skin, and I'm good at staying gentle and calm in the midst of intense stress. I have lots of weaknesses, I have plenty of weaknesses and flaws, but I am good at regulating my emotions. Uh, so since they couldn't get me to do anything they could grab onto uh, that would justify my dismissal, they bore false witness about some things and charged me with being divisive and ineffectual. Those were kind of the two charges. Uh, Pastor Philip has been divisive. And he, he's just not effectual. We haven't grown. And of course, that was my fault. Now, the vote was close. Uh, it, it was close. It, uh, and really, my own family's votes made the difference. And uh, you know, knowing how many pastors' kids come to resent the church, it was a particular joy. Um, it, was, it was really meaningful and very joyful to my wife and I to see the spiritual maturity of our teenage sons in this difficult situation. Um, they heard their dad attacked verbally or falsely accused in public on multiple occasions, and they were subjected to some nastiness themselves. Yet, they all, all three of them, affirmed their commitment to continue ministering in this church so that God would receive the glory. All of my sons were focused on the glory of God and that this church needs the gospel. These people need Christ. They need the scriptures. And so as painful as it is, we need to stay here if we can um, so that they can, uh, can get what they need from God for his glory. Now, the group that had controlled the church uh, for years, they were pretty stunned. They were stunned and silenced by their failure. They, they didn't expect to fail. To, to kick out a pastor. They'd always succeeded uh, in the past. And so for a while, they pulled back from engagement with the church uh, using coronavirus as a, as a convenient reason. They, they kind of stopped coming for a while. You know, oh, we can't come to church because of coronavirus. Uh, and, and so kind of the, the disgruntled and, and um, the, the opposition kind of pulled back from engagement with the church. And at exactly that time, God started sending new families to the church. Uh, right during that time when, uh, when kind of the, the people who were the troublemakers, when they stopped coming for a while temporarily, God sent, started sending new families. Uh, people who were normal Christians, 
normal Christians, right? They loved the Lord. They loved the Bible. They loved Jesus. They just wanted to know what the Bible said and do it. It was shocking. They they just wanted to know what the Bible said and actually do it. I hadn't, hadn't encountered that very much. And my wife and I realized that we were not crazy. What we had experienced was not normal for healthy Christians. Uh, and and that's how it may be in, in your church and in a church revitalization. You, know, you may feel a little crazy, like the church is not supposed to be like this. Well, it may be that way for a while. And, you know, you need God to work. Uh, but you got to you got to continue pressing forward. But, you know, God did work. He began working at that time. Everything began changing. We had young people. We had children. There was a buzz of excitement on Sunday mornings. The atmosphere in worship service completely changed. There was true spiritual fellowship happening. I mean, real fellowship about serious spiritual things. Uh, there was spiritual growth in evangelism and prayer. These new folks, they actually wanted to share the gospel with people. And I'd tell them to do something and they would actually do it. Uh, it actually kind of scared me. Like it, I was more frightened of, of um, the people who would do what I said than I was of the ones who refused to do what I said. <laughs> I, the, the, the opponents uh, didn't bother me or, or didn't concern me as much as, as these new folks who would actually do what I told them to do. That's a, that is a, a grave responsibility. I'm going to make sure everything I'm telling them is completely biblical because they're actually going to do it. What a blessing. That's spiritual health and that's spiritual life. There was obedience to the scriptures. There was respect for the office of pastor, which is, which is a, a blessing. And all of this started happening during the heart of the COVID pandemic in 2020, 21, and 22. So this fruit continues uh, till today, but it never would have happened without the God-given grit to persevere through some difficult and trying times. I'm just giving you a very general overview. I, I could tell you some specific stories that uh, that would be uh, pretty disturbing. Uh, I won't go into those details, but it's tough. Right? It's hard. It, it can be painful. But Furnace Creek is being revitalized. We still have plenty of room for growth, uh, but it is a far healthier church than it has been in a long time. Now, as far as average attendance, it's actually a little smaller than when I came. Right? We, our average attendance is a little bit less than when I started. Now, I have done a lot of funerals. A lot of our older folks have passed away. You know, some can't come anymore. So we've lost a lot of people in that through that way. Um, but we've gained a lot of new people, but overall we're a little bit smaller than we were. So can that be real revitalization if we haven't grown overall in numbers? Well, I'm convinced that health must come first, right? First, you need to become healthier as a church. And then I, I believe the growth will occur. We have grown in, in people coming. There are new people coming. It's just the total numbers haven't gone up. And hopefully they will over the next few years as, as uh, by God's grace, we continue to see fruit. Uh, but the goal is health first and foremost, right? The glory of God by having a, a healthy functioning church and God will give the increase. Growth that happens without increased health will not last. And I'm looking for lasting fruit. And that's what God is giving us. But you need grit. Right? You need God, repentance, instruction, and time. 
I hope that these this podcast and these episodes will encourage you to persevere in faithful, God-centered, Christ-exalting, gospel-focused ministry. By God's grace, you can see it through. You can see revitalization in your church. Uh, you've got to, to keep focusing on the things that God wants you to focus on, and you've got to tough it out and be faithful and persevere, and God will give the fruit. I believe he will. Well, God bless you. Uh, next time, we'll start talking about the G in grit. Uh, that is God. What do I mean when I say that we need God for church revitalization? I'll see you then.